Back in the day when my girls were born, it was not easy to share photos and videos with loved ones, but you have a fantastic option available, the Family Album app. The Family Album app was created in 2015 and has operated in the long term to give parents a secure and easy way to share photos and videos with loved ones. It's a totally secure personal haven for your family's memories. I love that there's no third-party ads, no unwanted eyes. Now, let me share some of the great features that make the Family Album app a go-to app. First off, the app automatically sorts photos and videos by month, allowing you to swipe back in time and see how your child has grown. No more scrolling through endless feeds or searching through folders. Another cool feature about the Family Album app is you can order eight free photo prints every month to be delivered to your home. It's really nice to have some tangible pictures to hold onto or share to document each month of your baby's life. Plus, the Family Album app has unlimited storage and it is totally free. Yes, you heard that right. No more worrying about running out of space or being bombarded by ads when you're just trying to relive those heartwarming moments. So if you are still trying to use other messaging apps for your kids' photos, it is time to level up your family photo game with a free photo sharing app. Head over to the App Store today, search Family Album, it's all one word, download the app and start creating a legacy of love one photo at a time. Don't let diaper rash come between you and your baby. Diaper rash can be one of the worst experiences your little one has to go through and keeping their delicate skin happy and healthy shouldn't require a spatula to apply thick, goopy treatments that can be just as irritating and uncomfortable as the diaper rash. Instead, try Dr. Mom Butt Balm. Dr. Mom Butt Balm is a pediatrician approved skin protectant free of dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide. It was developed by a mom who is also a doctor when she couldn't find any traditional products that worked for her baby's persistent diaper rash. Use just a small amount of Dr. Mom Butt Balm to help soothe your baby's skin and feel good about making the right choice. Nothing comes between you and your baby, not even diaper rash. Check out Dr. Mom Butt Balm, available on Amazon or walmart.com. Warning, this is a story that involves pregnancy loss. Welcome to the All About Pregnancy and Birth podcast. I'm Dr. Nicole Calloway-Rankins, a practicing board-certified OBGYN who's had the privilege of helping hundreds of moms bring their babies into this world. I'm here to help you be knowledgeable, prepared, confident and empowered to have a beautiful pregnancy and birth. Quick note, this podcast is for educational purposes only and is not a substitute for medical advice. Check out the full disclaimer at ncrcoaching.com forward slash disclaimer. Now let's get to it. Hello and welcome to another episode of the podcast. This is episode number 80. Thank you for being here with me today. On today's episode of the podcast, I have Courtney. Courtney reached out to me on Instagram when she was pregnant with her second baby, telling me how excited she was that she found me. However, unfortunately, not too long after she reached out to me, 
Courtney received the news that her baby had trisomy 13. Trisomy 13 is a condition where a baby has an extra chromosome 13. It causes severe intellectual and physical disabilities. Most babies with trisomy 13 do not survive beyond the first week of life. And if they do live beyond the first week of life, 90% of them will die within the first year of life. It is a rare condition. It affects about one in 10,000 pregnancies. Now, Courtney wanted to come on and share her story of how she managed this devastating diagnosis. She is hoping that by sharing her story, she can help other women who may face a similar circumstance, because as you will hear, it was quite a traumatic experience for her. And she wants to do what she can to help it not be so traumatic for another woman who may be facing a similar situation. Now, as I said, and as you'll hear, this was an incredibly difficult and at times painful process for Courtney, and it is a true testament to her bravery and her strength that she could come on and share her story, especially so soon after it happened. It hasn't been that long since all of this transpired. So let's go ahead and get into Courtney's story. so much, Courtney, for agreeing to come on the podcast. I know this is an incredibly difficult thing to talk about, and I appreciate your strength and your bravery coming on to talk about it. Well, thank you. And and thank you for the platform. Um, I know myself and many other women, you know, are looking for advice, especially from a specialist um, in terms of like this process. So it's been refreshing to have your podcast. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate that. So why don't we start off? Yeah. Why don't we start off by having you tell us a little bit about yourself and your family? Yeah. So um, I've been married. My husband and I got married when we were around 33. So very late in terms of the whole pregnancy thing. I guess women don't really think about that. Right. Uh, Yeah. So we went, we, um, we met, we both were in education met there, had a beautiful wedding, and jumped right into our first pregnancy. So we have an almost three-year-old running okay. around the house. Um, so it, it's been fun just going on this journey and just really looking to expand our family quickly before we hit this 40 milestone. <laughs> I, I know exactly what you mean. My husband and I, I'm older than, I'm three years older than my husband, but I was 31 when we got married. So definitely know about that later start. Yes. Yeah. Yes. yes. So yes. we're going to hear about what happened with your second pregnancy. So how did that pregnancy start out for you? Was it planned? Were you excited? I'm guessing yes, but just tell us a bit about that. Yeah. So um, we wanted to wait at least two years before embarking on this second pregnancy just to give our two-year-old a chance to you know have that lovely uh only child syndrome sure so so we started trying around i want to say september but we it wasn't happening and it was just like 
very frustrating because with the first child, literally, we were like, all right, let's do it. Bam. You mm-hmm. know, we were pregnant. So with the second pregnancy, it did take longer. Um, in fact, I got to the point where I stopped taking pregnancy tests at home and just because it just became like so definite, like, no, you're not pregnant. And I just just allowed the you know cycle to either come and, and it did. But we we finally got our um, first positive um, in January. And we were very excited. I mean, I honestly couldn't believe it. I'm like, oh my God, we've been trying. And I was calling a doctor like, what's wrong with me? And she's like, nothing. You know, it just may take longer. There's a 20% chance, blah, blah, blah. Of course, you don't want to hear that. So we were were excited to, you know, be pregnant with our second child. Gotcha. So very much so excited and planned and ready for this pregnancy. Absolutely. Yeah. Ready. Yes. We were ready. And you were seeing a physician for your prenatal care? Correct. And she's the um, same physician who delivered my first child. Um, Really great OB and really, really, really love working with her. And yeah, she was just as excited as well, especially since I was you know, calling the office, like what's going on and trying to be seen. And so she was, she was excited too. Gotcha. Gotcha. So it Mm -hmm. took you about four, four or five months. Is that Mm -hmm. to get? Okay. Okay. Which, you know, it feels like forever in in pregnancy terms, it's actually not what we consider long, but I know what it feels like as well. Like after a month, it took six months for our second one. And it was, I mean, for our first, for our first one. And it was like, it feels like it's forever, like, but, but in the grand scheme of things and medically wise, it's not dangerous, but I certainly can relate to like, when is this going to happen? When is this going to happen? Right. Yeah. Clearly, you know, we just can't control it all. And I was just thinking like, we'll have a baby with this Zodiac sign. And I was like, well, right, I guess right. not. So. Yeah. 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 So then you get to the point in your prenatal care where you were offered genetic testing. So what was that kind of discussion like? Was it just sort of, here it is, this is something we recommend or offer? How did that go? Yeah. So I got the same genetic test done with my first child, even though I was younger in terms of, um, you know, this geriatric age, which I'm queened as now. So that is such an offensive term, by the way, like, I don't know why we say that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. I know it's crazy. So yeah, it was just, you know, a no brainer in terms of getting it. However, we were right in the beginning of COVID. So because of that, my testing was actually done a little later than what it should have been. So definitely got it. Um, But because of COVID, I didn't get my reason. You know, it takes two weeks and I don't know if that's, I guess that's normal. And so by the time the results came back, it was just like, oh my gosh, you know, and and I knew it was something because um, my doctor shot me a text message like, hey, can you talk? And like I said, I've been going to her for a while. So something about the tone of the text message was like, oh my God, something is wrong. Um, I just immediately knew. 
And, you know, my husband and I were working from home. So I, you know, yelled for him to come upstairs, not knowing, you know, the news that she was going to give us. But, you know, we were both here to talk to her. um, And she, you know, she told us, you know, she was very sorry. But with that, you know, she said that it's, you know, we, she just told us our options, you know, I think she gave us like three, one, you know, you can just continue on and, you know, just we'll continue to monitor you. Or the second option was to actually go get the second level of testing and uh, the CVS um, to get that done um, to either confirm it or, and then the third, if we did find out that we had it, you know, she just said that some women, you know, decided to just continue on with the pregnancy even after the final confirmation. But, you know, she did go into what that looked like and in terms of the success rate for the baby um, and also the stress that it would, would wear on my body. Gotcha. Gotcha. So she calls you and tells you that the baby has trisomy 13, correct? Was that yes. It? Mm-hmm. Yes. And that was detected in the blood test. Okay. And then she goes through all the options of ending the pregnancy versus um, continuing the pregnancy and versus doing another test to confirm it, even though the first test is pretty, pretty accurate. Did you know that 95% of pregnant women are not getting their recommended daily intake of key omega-3s? Enter Ritual, their prenatal contains 350 milligrams of eco-friendly vegan omega-3 DHA in every serving. One of the reasons I like Ritual is that it's a female-founded B Corp, meaning they are holding themselves accountable to not just their company's financial health, but also the health of people and our planet. In addition to those omega-3 DHAs to support baby's brain development, Ritual also has choline and methylated folate to support baby's neural tube development. And the capsules feature a delayed release design to help make it gentle on an empty stomach. Why settle for a multivitamin you're not 100% sure about? Ritual was literally built on trust, so you know it's the real deal. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com forward slash Dr. Nicole. Start Ritual or add a Central for Women prenatal to your subscription today. That's ritual.com forward slash Dr. Nicole for 25% off. And what at that point, did you decide to get a confirmatory test or did you feel like Absolutely. you needed Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, I did. Um, just because, I don't know. She And she said that sometimes, like there's a small percentage that, that's, that the CVS may come back negative. So, you know, my husband and I, you know, we, we felt that there was a little hope. So right away, as soon as I hung up with her, you know, I was on the other line making an appointment uh, with a high risk doctor to get in as soon as possible to have this test because that test, the results took an additional two weeks to come back in to, you know, give us a little more into the actual genetics of the baby. So yeah, we were lucky to get in the next day. Oh, nice. Um, Yeah. Well, with pull from her to have the procedure. um, And again, this is, 
you know, my husband wasn't allowed to go in. So like that was tough, you know, going through the consultation in terms of like what they're going to be looking for, how they're going to administer the, the test and the process of actually growing the specimen to then determine the DNA from that. Gotcha. So you decide, because this is a really, I'm guessing this is a desired pregnancy, something that you really want it. You want to be 100% certain. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, that's something, yeah. that something is wrong. And, and guys, just to kind of back up a little bit, CVS is chorionic villus sampling. And it's a procedure where a little piece of the placenta is actually taken in order to look at DNA. And it's the gold standard in terms of diagnosis early in pregnancy for any chromosome problems. And as far as trisomy 13, I'll just briefly say that it is a devastating condition for for um, babies. And I'll link to some information in the show notes, but most don't survive. Or if they do, they have significant long-term problems and difficulties. So Um, When you heard that information and you had that time between you get the results, you you quickly make this decision, you're going to get the CVS and, but then you have to even wait, even though it was just a day, there's still this time that you're, you're waiting. Um, What was going through your mind and what were you and your husband kind of talking about at the time? Yeah. So we, um, huge believers in, in, spiritual so we were really just you know we were trusting in god that you know like there's this thing that you know you can pray for what you want or you know you can just ask god to just do what is best at that point but with that we were really just hopeful that the results were going to come back in our favor and um that we will be able to deliver um, another healthy baby and even during the sampling, he wasn't allowed to come with me. But what happened, they they also do an ultrasound, um, a pretty intensive ultrasound. Normally, the one that you don't get into you a little further. I cannot remember the name of oh, it. Oh, sure. Like um, an anatomy ultrasound. The anatomy. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the, as the doctor, you know, was looking and, you know, looking for some of the features that she said are normally they stick out with trisomy 13. She said that the baby actually looked normal. You know, they look for like fluid behind the neck, um, the limbs and, you know, you know, she was actually hopeful in terms of the scan that things were going to come back in our favor. So we, you know, we held on to that faith and you know, my mom did her research and she's like, yeah, you're, you're going to be fine. Like this, you know, just the fact that it doesn't happen a lot. I, I think it's very rare. Um, so we were just hoping that things were going to come back in our favor. Gotcha. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. And your husband could not be with you during that no. appointment. Was, no. it, was he on video at all or on the phone or? Yeah. So I did. FaceTime him in during the consultation when, you know, she went into the genetics and the chromosomes and the pairing and, you know, what happens if there's an extra chromosome. So he was able to sit in on that. And and then they also tell you the risk associated with, you know, sampling um, from your placenta, um, which she said that she'd never 
had any cases, but they always have to, you know, give you that disclaimer. But during the actual procedure, no, I didn't videotape it. I mean, that, oh my gosh, that was very, that was invasive because they, um, you know, the needle that goes into you to actually pull out the sampling, it was, it was pretty traumatic, but. Right, right. Yeah. I'm, yeah. So, oh my gosh. Oh, I know. And, that, I, and I'm sure so many other women, you know, that are giving birth during this time, you know, it's COVID has really kind of shifted a lot of things. So, so that was just incredibly difficult. I just can't even yes. imagine. So then you, you get through that and then you have to wait another two weeks. Two weeks okay. Yes. And so at that point, you're probably what, 11, 12 weeks? Along somewhere, along. I think 13. 13. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, so and- we were entering into our we were in our second trimester sure. at that point. Yeah, sure. okay. And then you have to wait two weeks, and then during that time, I can only imagine what's going through your mind. And yeah. were you ever thinking, like, what did I do wrong? How did this happen? Or were you not? Not at that point yet. So I tried to stay away from that part at that time because, you know, I'm still, you know, praying every night, you know, God just allow this baby to be healthy and, you know, and really just trying not to let my mind go there. Um, Even staying away from the blogs and, you know, the apps with the women who, may talk about certain um, deformities or genetic issues that their children have. So I really just try to stay away from it and just keep myself busy. Gotcha. Yeah, that that makes sense. So so then you get the final results back that unfortunately it confirmed that the baby did have trisomy 13. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then... How did you come to the decision to decide to end the pregnancy? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so at that point, um, the quality of life. Yeah, when I an undergrad, I I work with youth with special needs, so I know that world very well. And and honestly, this is something that even the children that I worked with didn't have. You know, most right. of those children had uh, cerebral palsy. But it was really just the quality of life. You know, I would never, it was hard. I mean, of course, to be completely honest, it was, I, I can say it was one of the hardest decisions that I've ever had to make in terms of resolving a pregnancy because, you know, I've, I, I've been that person that throughout life um, was very careful about the choices that I made. Um, I've never had to go into Planned Parenthood, which is totally okay, you know, if that's your best decision, but I, you know, tried not to have to make that decision and, you know, try to be very responsible in terms of making sure that the decisions that I made were at a good point in my life. So it was tough having to make that decision and even tougher because my husband was in denial and he felt that the test was wrong. And I'm just like, baby, like this is science, you know? And there's one thing we really had to talk 
in terms of like just the fact that, you know, science has evolved and the fact that we were able to get this cycle level of testing and that these are the cards that we've been dealt. So either we continue or we end. And and I knew that I did not want to put my body through the stress and emotional stress of having to actually deliver and watching, you know, my baby suffer. Right, right, right. So, you know, we decided, but there was this second layer uh, that came along with that decision because I, uh, I belong to a faith-based um, hospital. So with faith-based hospitals, they don't do procedures. Um, they do not do DNCs unless the baby resolved itself on its own. Right, right. So now I had to, on top of all of the other stressors, find a, a reputable hospital that would take me. And I felt like if we had to do it, I at least wanted to do it with dignity um, for the sake of the baby. But it was tough. There, there are only two institutions that do it here in Michigan. And I called them and because of COVID, they were not seeing patients unless mom had a health problem and couldn't go elsewhere. So I didn't qualify to go there. Um, and they just kept pointing me in a direction of a family center. And, and I just could not um, see my, I just not, it just wasn't for me. And, you know, it, I just couldn't do it. And I, there was another hospital in Detroit with one doctor who did the procedure. So I was able to get in to see him and, you know, it's just crazy because I'm like, at this point, I wanted to just get it over with so that the baby, you know, wasn't getting bigger and I was starting to feel kicking and, but I did find a doctor, but it was tough even finding a doctor that would take me and do this procedure. So you had to navigate this on your own? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And, and my doctor pointed me into the, in the direction, but again, you know, because of the hospital that she works at, she couldn't help with that second level. Right. Oh my God. So on top of the stress of you've come to this incredibly difficult and hard decision, and then you have to add this extra layer of taking it upon yourself to get the care that you need. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my gosh. That is, and in the middle of a pandemic. And in the middle of a pandemic. And, and only two places in Michigan perform this procedure. Right, right. On top of that. Well, right. that's what I was told. Unless sure, yeah. Once you get to be a certain point in pregnancy, it really should be somebody who's skilled and trained in doing so. So that, that doesn't surprise me. Okay. So then were you able to get with that, per that doctor, like get in fairly quickly? And then how did that whole process go for you? And how far away, how far away was it from where you live? Well, I'm not far from Detroit. So about 20 minutes out. Okay. Okay. So, so I was able to get in with him only because I had to pull strings um, because my mother and my stepmother 
were both like, you know, on top of all the emotions I'm dealing with, like they were trying to help me as much as they could in terms of like this, this next step. And I just didn't have the mental capacity. And so they were calling around and my stepmother's longtime doctor friend happened to know this doctor and name dropped. And because of the name drop, I was able to get an appointment with him because I'm not even, you know, with the um, hospital to even get in there. So I was able to get in there only because I, I dropped so-and-so sent me. Right. Oh my <laughs> and gosh. I got in to see him. Oh, and then how, how was he in terms of helping you through this and the compassion level and the staff and all of those things? How was it once you got to that, that point in the process? Yeah. Um, well, he, I want to say he was very, very nice, um, very nice guy, just, just an older doctor. And, and you could tell that he's been doing this for a while and just very straightforward, you know, so different from my OB. Um, but, you know, he did provide the information that I needed. However, you know, it's just a little different when you, you select your doctor sure, before sure. going and you interview. So, but just very straightforward, you know, it's just like, well, this is how it goes. This is how it works. And, um, yeah, basically you can come in either Friday or you can wait until Monday. So you can tell that this is just something that he does and he does often. But I did feel very comforted knowing that he was skilled in this area, that he performed this procedure for many women. And I was grateful that, you know, he was going to help me. Right. Right. Despite insurance not kicking in at all and <laughs> me, you know, having to dish out the money to even pay for it. Um, but he was he was very kind. OK. And why didn't your wait, your insurance didn't cover it? No, no, they did not cover it because it was second trimester and it wasn't considered. I guess they didn't consider it a procedure that needed to happen, despite the fact that you, you had know, this diagnosis. I've had it, the second layer of testing and what we know about babies that are born with it, it, it was not covered. Okay. So you had this devastating diagnosis. You have to find someone yourself to help with the procedure and then insurance doesn't pay for it. Not at all. Oh my God. Yeah. And then they said, well, if you come in, we'll need a thousand dollars today and the rest of the money will be due on Friday when you come in. So they were very, you know, straightforward. Like if you don't have it, we won't do it. And I was just like, okay. So and and they knew the reason behind it? Of course they, they did. Knew. Yeah, of course they did. Yeah. Oh my God. Okay. And th did they offer you any type of emotional support during, did any, like a counselor or? No. And, and I actually, because I didn't know how I was going to feel after, especially my husband couldn't come into any of these appointments with me. 
but no, they didn't. And I, I actually asked like, well, is there something if I need, um, you know, what can, and he was just like, well, I don't want to offer you any, you know, opiates that will, and I wasn't really seeking for something to be addicted to, but more so help me cope with the pain, I guess, because I, I felt it, you know, like this process was just not easy. And then I didn't have a lot of time to even really process it because you know, at this point we're, we're going on 16 weeks, but no counseling. Right. Did you see a genetic counselor at all during any of this? So I was offered the help through, through my sister who works in one of their medical facilities. She does genetics with animals. So she, I know it's weird, but fun. So she connected me with someone who was in one of her master level classes who offered to get me an appointment. And this was before I scheduled the appointment with the doctor at And honestly, um, Dr. Nicole, I, I thought about it, but I also felt like time was not on my side at this right, point. Right. And any, you know, I felt like anything that I did was gonna delay it. And I didn't want to continue to delay, especially since it was so hard to get appointments. Sure, sure. But even I guess in the very beginning when there was a suspicion, did your regular OB at that time offer to send you to talk to a genetic counselor about it? No. I I don't, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just having a hard time like wrapping my head around this because it, it just feels like you were just left to figure so much out on your own in a very, very hard situation. Oh my gosh. Okay. No one, no one said like, I just, it should be routine that when you have a a diagnosis like this, that you should get referred to a genetic counselor. So I'm, and and I'm not saying, I don't want to like, obviously you have a good relationship with your OB and I'm not trying to trash her or him or anything like that. Yeah. It's just that. And I don't know if it's the resources or what, but wow. Okay. And even to that point, I felt that the high risk doctor, you know, should have gave me more insights, but it was really just a call with the diagnostics of the diagnosis. And that was it. Yeah. That's another, even the high risk doctor. No, I didn't receive next steps. Like she just said, you know, I'm sorry, you know, you can try again after your first cycle comes back and I will see you early on if you would like, you know, to do this screening earlier. And that was it. I didn't even get recommendations in terms of where to go from that call. Okay. I, this, wow. I'm so sorry you had to go through that. I mean, I feel like that's inexcusable. Yeah, um, you know that our system failed you in such a vulnerable and and hard time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, and and I didn't know. You know, I researched, and again, which is why I wanted to share my story yes. um, seriously, so that women do understand. Because this is this is new to me right now. So 
you know, I, I really, my prayer is, is that someone, this could be, uh, you know, useful, but no, I was not offered a genetic doctor to even talk to me about what that meant. And, you know, if it was just a mutation that occurred and, you know, if it has something to do with my husband or I, like, we don't have any known, you know, genetic disorders in our family. So this was really just we were surprised. Sure. Of course. Of course. Uh, Okay. So you're, you're finally able to get the procedure scheduled and it sounds like gratefully you have the means to pay for it. Um, even, even if it may have been a stretch or maybe you have family or, you know, you were able to pay for it. How, and I don't want, you know, I'm not, I don't want you to relive any of the, the detail because I know it's very difficult, but I guess just in general, how was the, the process of the procedure? Yeah. So they put me completely under, um, well, I'm sorry, there was a two step. So I went in the day before the procedure where, and I'll let you, I'll pause and let you explain because the terminology where he inserted something into my cervix to... Yeah, maybe something called laminaria in order to help your cervix open up. Uh, Yes, help your cervix dilate slowly over that day so it wouldn't be as difficult to do the procedure. Yes. So I went in the day before... And that was emotional because walking in, it was just like, you know, that final, we were doing it, you know, and I felt like it was so final, but, um, and then went in the next morning and yeah, they, it, the, they gave me the whole anesthetics to get, knock me out completely. Anesthesia. I'm sorry. Yeah. And I woke up and and it was, you know, it was over. Right. And, right. Yeah. Okay. 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 And then how did you recover from it? Did you get back to yourself fairly? I, mean, yeah. phys- I should say physically, physically. So physically, and, and the doctor explained that the hardest part was actually um, the night before. But after that, I felt, you know, the next day, the only pain I had was in my throat, strangely, and in my neck. So I don't know. I was just like, what were they doing? Yeah, probably from um, the, the tube that was down your throat. Yeah. Absolutely. But other than that, I, I did take two weeks off um, to mentally get myself back and, and found a project to do around the house to just keep me focused on something. Um, so, yeah, my, my the recovery was was very easy and okay. simple. Okay. I, yeah. The, the physical recovery, at least mm-hmm. the physical, the physical recovery. Yeah. 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 Hey, so you made it this far in the episode and I'm thinking it's because you enjoyed this podcast. Well, if that's the case, then I have a favor to ask. Creating and producing the All About Pregnancy and Birth podcast has been one of the greatest joys of my life. I'm so grateful to have each and every one of you on this journey with me. Your support and engagement means the world to me, and it's what helps keep this podcast going. But here's the thing. Producing a podcast involves time, effort, and resources from recording equipment to an editor, hosting fees, coordinating guests, countless hours spent researching and crafting content. It all adds up. 
and that's where I could use your support. I've never wanted to turn all about pregnancy and birth into a paywall. I want it to remain accessible to everyone. That's why I've set up a way for you to support the show financially if you're able and willing. If this podcast has helped you during your pregnancy, your birth, or your life, I'm asking you to consider contributing to the show. Your support will help cover production and team costs and ensure that I can continue delivering the episodes you love. So in the month of March, head to drnicolerankins.com forward slash support and contribute whatever you can. Your support, no matter how big or small, makes a significant impact. It helps us continue delivering high quality content and ensures the future of all about pregnancy and birth. Again, that's drnicolerankins.com forward slash support. Thank you so much for being part of the All About Pregnancy and Birth community. Now back to the show. So how, how did you and your husband grieve the loss of your baby? Yeah, we, we did just that, you know, we just let it out and we talked about it and, you know, we, we still pray, you know, for we, you know, we call her our little angel. And right. did you know, name her? Still, I mean, you don't have to share the name, but did you name her? We did. Yeah. We did. And, yeah. um, yeah. yeah, so we literally, we, we went through the process in terms of together. Uh, we talked about it together. Um, the good thing, that COVID did do was we weren't out. So I didn't really have to go and tell everyone, Hey, this, you know, we lost the baby and um, because we really weren't in contact with so many people during that period of time. And, you know, again, we just, we felt that peace with our decision and, you know, and we still, it's still a process, you know, we still, have our moments um, that come and go, but you know our our two year old quickly brings us back to reality. And <laughs> like, hey, I'm here. But yeah, you know there are still moments. Um, and he, you know, his thing was was like, you know, we I want to try right away, and I'm like, well, hold on, brother. You know, so, <laughs> like, I need a minute to kind of. Like, I need a minute, you right? Know? Seriously, um, but yeah, so it, it's definitely, you know, there are those moments, and I and I'm sure everyone may go through that differently. But you know, my support system in terms of my mother, my sister, they broke all the rules in terms of coming over during that time to hang out um, and be with us as much as they could. And my grandma was sending care packets and food and just, you know, really trying to, you know, love us from, from a distance. Right. Um, so, yeah. And do you feel like you had any support at all from within your, like the healthcare system, your doctor's office or the, it, it sounds like no, but was there any like follow-up or have you seen a counselor or anything like that? No, I haven't seen a counselor. Um, my doctor did call me um, the day of the procedure and after to just kind of check in sure. and see, you know, how I was feeling. And, um, and I actually decided to do my follow-up with her 
over the the other doctor because I just couldn't imagine walking back into the office. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So the, just the association with his office, just, you know, but I did see my, my post care with her. Um, but no, I haven't, you know, talked to a counselor. Um, okay. And this is fairly, re- this is very recent within the last couple of months that this happened. Yeah. May 8th. Okay. Okay. I, this is, I mean, looking back on everything, how how do you feel about the decision you made? How how are you feeling right now? Yeah. So, well, this is the first time. So just that I've talked about it since the grieving process with, you know, my family, my Mm -hmm. mom, like I shared all of this with her um, and she was calling. She really wanted to get inside to see how I was feeling. And, you know, the moment that I said, you know, I feel like, you know, I'm killing our child. She immediately stopped and said, Hey, you know, you, you can't look at it that way because the baby is not healthy. And, you know, and I think that helped in terms of me knowing that the decision was made to, you know, just not have to see our baby suffer. And that's really the the thing that I hold on to in terms of the comfort is just knowing that our baby didn't have to suffer. Right. 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 So you, you, you you really wrestled with that. Yeah. Oh my God. Are you kidding me? Yeah. You felt like you were killing your child. Oh yeah. Oh gosh. Yes, absolutely. And yes. And my husband's family who they're very Bible based and they had their thoughts um, in terms of the decision. And I just didn't have the capacity to deal with it. And I told him, you know, to just, I just didn't need to know what was being said. Um, Again, like this was not something that I wanted to do, let alone to hear anyone else's opinions towards the decision that we made. Sure, sure, sure. So, Um, yeah. This is so incredibly hard. And I am so grateful that you have shared your story because I know that it is going to help someone hearing it. I'm I'm 100% confident of that. And you are so strong. I, I cannot say that enough. Thank you. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. So if you wanted just to wrap up, what is one thing that you want every woman to know after you have gone through this experience? Yeah, I guess it's really just to go for what your heart says. Um, I do believe it's a, a decision that only a mother can make um, rather to, you know, continue and and I get that some women may want that closure. So I, my advice or last piece is to just really, you know, do what you feel is best and be okay with that and, and be okay with that. Seriously. Um, this was just the choice that we made and yeah. And, and, and definitely the genetic testing is very important. Um, especially the earlier you can get it, 
definitely do it that way you know you will know what's going on in terms of you know your baby right 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 and then i guess one more question do you think you will try and have another baby at some point absolutely okay. yes absolutely okay. Yeah. okay yes we're not gonna leave um our little Little Miss Logan to be uh, a single child, only child. So. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> so absolutely, gotcha. um, I'm I'm not going to stress or worry about it. Um, you know, we're just gonna see what happens, and I do feel confident that we will be fine. Um, and that was another piece of information that I did get that was reassuring in terms of you know a lot of women you know, are able to get pregnant again and have completely healthy and normal pregnancies after dealing with uh, trisomy. Yeah, most of the time. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Courtney, thank you so much for agreeing to come on and share your story. As I, like I said, you are so incredibly brave, so incredibly strong. I so, so appreciate it. Well, thank you. And Thank you for this platform. And I am confident that I will be back um, at some point and there will be a, a, a good story to follow up about a, an easy pregnancy and healthy. So I will make sure to, to keep in touch with you and continue to listen to this amazing platform that you've created for women. Well, they, well, 100%, you have an open door invitation Yay! to come back. <laughs> awesome, awesome. All right. <laughs> wow. Okay. So what an incredible story. What an incredible testament to Courtney's strength and bravery. I know that that was really difficult to hear, and I'm sure it was infinitely more difficult for her to tell. So I really, really appreciate her taking the time to come on and share her story with us. Now, you know, after every episode where I have a guest on, I do something called Nicole's Notes, where I talk about my takeaways from the episode. And here are my Nicole's Notes from my conversation with Courtney. So the first thing I want to say is that so much about Courtney's experience was wrong. We as a healthcare system really failed her during such a difficult time. A woman should not be left to navigate this type of situation on her own. And I'm really deeply sorry that she had to experience this. What should happen when you realize that there is a problem or an issue with a pregnancy like this? You should see a genetic counselor in order to get a full picture of what the condition entails. And then once you make a decision about what you want to do, and then the options should be reviewed. And that's whether you decide to continue the pregnancy or not. Once a decision is made, we should provide you with resources and support to help you through it and not figure things out on your own. That can include setting up appointments, recommending a counselor to see, connecting with specialists, maybe even connecting with other moms who've been through a similar circumstance. And then of course, you should not have to pay for this out of pocket. No one should have to pay for any of these things out of pocket. That's just, you know, incredibly crazy to think that that's 
that, you know, that that's what happened or that any woman have to experience that circumstance. It can be difficult to coordinate these types of things just because of the way our healthcare system is designed. It's rather fragmented actually, but it can be done and it's how it should be done. And just because it's difficult, that doesn't mean that it's something that we can't do. And then the second thing I want to say about this episode is that ending a pregnancy is not infrequently a very incredibly difficult decision for women. And in some states, there are laws where Courtney would have had to have a forced waiting period before proceeding, or she would have been forced to see the baby on ultrasound or hear the heartbeat, which you can imagine could have been quite traumatic. And this story is an example or exemplifies why I believe politics has no place in this arena. Women are quite capable of making the decision for themselves about what happens in their own bodies and with their pregnancies. And the government does not need to interfere with that. And I also really dislike it that this is often framed as a pro-life, pro-choice debate. I actually find it quite offensive that because I support a woman's choice to decide what happens in her body, that somehow I don't have a commitment to life. As an obstetrician, and particularly one who was a a hospitalist, like 99% of what I do is deliver babies. That is my work to help bring babies into this world safely. Of course, I am on the side of life. It's just that I know, and I have seen this happen time and time and time again, throughout my 15 years of practice, that this is a personal decision. Women have the strength, women have the knowledge, women have the ability to make these decisions for themselves. And it's not something that the government needs to be a part of at all. All right, so that is it for this episode of the podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and Apple Podcast or wherever you listen to podcasts, Spotify, Google Play. And I would really appreciate it that if you enjoy the podcast, leave me a review in Apple Podcast in particular. It really helps the show to grow. It helps other women find the show. And of course, I love hearing your comments and I give shout outs from those reviews on future episodes. And I would really love to hear your thoughts on this episode. I know this is a difficult topic, so we'll talk more about it in my free Facebook group, All About Pregnancy and Birth. You can find that group just by searching for it on uh, Facebook, or it'll be linked up in the show notes. It's a great group, a supportive group, non-judgmental zone that will, of course, continue around discussions of this um, difficult topic. So head on over and check out that group. Be a part of it if you're not already. It's All About Pregnancy and Birth on Facebook. Now, next week on the podcast, I am talking about health coaching. I am actually a certified integrative health coach. So I'm going to talk a little bit about that on the next episode. So do come on back next week. And until then, I wish you a beautiful pregnancy and birth. 
Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the All About Pregnancy and Birth podcast. Head to my website, ncrcoaching.com, to get even more great info, including free downloadable resources on how to manage pain and labor and warning signs to look out for after birth. You'll also find information on my free online class on how to make a birth plan, as well as everything you need to know about the birth preparation course. Again, that's ncrcoaching.com, and I will see you next week. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation? where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.